while we remain standing, open up your Bibles if you would please. John chapter number 6, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6, we'll begin at verse number 1. I want to talk to you for the next few weeks about character, not a certain character. Not, hey, you're quite the character, but character, the attribute that everybody ought to have. I'll talk to you about that. I want you to look, if you would, please, at verse number 1, starting in chapter number 6, verse 1. After these things went Jesus over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were deceased. And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great multitude, I'm sorry, a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, said, 200 penny worth. Now, I don't know if that's what they had in their savings. I don't know if he was just making up. If we had $200, I wouldn't feed all this group. I don't know exactly what they meant by that. A bread would not be sufficient for them. That everyone, watch this, may take a little. Now, keep that in mind. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, answered, uh, said unto him, there is a little, I'm sorry, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make them, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number of about 5,000. And another of the gospel, talking about the 5,000, said 5,000 not counting women and children. So it's a bigger miracle than, than what we did. 5,000 is pretty good. Uh, and so, verse number 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, the disciples to them that sat down, and likewise of fish as many as they would. And when they were, what? Filled. He said to the disciples, gather up the fragments which uh, that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled, filled 12 baskets I don't care if they're little bitty baskets. You just got through feeding over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And what is that among so many? Well, enough that all of them were filled. Watch what it says. In verse number 13, Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets of the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, uh, did said, Of a truth, that the prophet that should come into the that this is the prophet that should come into the world. Verse fifteen. Listen very carefully. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again unto the mountain himself alone. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help me, please. Help your people. Um, help us to get a hold of a very important truth, but I, I think I think a very simple truth. So help me to help your people tonight. Help those that are watching live stream, wherever they may be around the world, in this state, people maybe just getting off work and thought I better go on home and maybe they're watching now. Maybe they'll watch it later on on a podcast. I don't know. But I ask you to please bless them and watch over them. But bless the people that are here. that They get full benefit out of being in the place where you told us to assemble. Thank you for the Bible. Help us now tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We, a, very, a very familiar story. We have Jesus had been teaching all day, and he looked at the crowd. Now, understand, he's doing this for his disciples' sake, for he said he knew himself what he was going to do, okay? He said, okay, I know what I'm going to do, but I want to know if you know what I'm going to do. Uh, by the way, that's a wise way to talk with other people. I, I call it playing dumb to find out who the smart ones are, okay? It's like... Huh, wonder what we're going to do. I already know what we ought to do. I want to know what you're going to say. If I always gave you the answers, you don't have to think. So Jesus said, uh, Philip or whoever it is here, he said, what do you think we're going to do here? He said, now I knew what we were going to do. 
But I was going to ask him anyway. So they get these 5,000 people. All of you sat down. Now, I don't know what happened to the people go, how come we have to sit down? I wonder if they got any food. There are probably some Baptists in there that just, you know, question all the time. And so Jesus had them all sit down. He fed them all with five loaves and two fishes. When it was all done, and the Bible said in one place, and they were filled. Now, some people, I don't care if there are two sandwiches down there. They're going to eat them both before anybody gets anything. Why? Because they're hungry. They're going, to, they're going to fill up if nobody else does. That's just the way some people are. But they pass it around, and the Bible said, as much as they will. And after they were filled, isn't that amazing? And when they started off, said, what is that among so many? Even if they took a little. So Jesus did all this, and when he was finally done, he told them to take it up, and they took up 12 baskets full. Pretty amazing in itself, but that's not what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you what led up to this next statement. Look down in verse number 15. When Jesus therefore perceived, now after he did all this and they all saw the miracles, over 5,000 people, over 5,000, saw him do this miracle. Watch what happens. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force, why would they do that? To make him a king. To make him a king. Why did Jesus do this? I mean, why did he leave? We want to make you a king. I mean, what an honor, right? I mean, we recognize your greatness. We recognize you're not like the normal people around here. We want to take you. Now, he perceived this, and I'm going to assume his perception was pretty good. And uh, we're going to make you a king. We're going to force the issue, and we're going to make you a king. Why would he depart and go up into a mountain away from everybody? Here's your answer. You can't make Jesus what he already is. He was already a king. Actually, he was the king. Jesus was already the king. So they saw this feeding of the 5,000, and they said, that guy right there needs to be a king. So they were going to take him by force. They didn't say that, but Jesus said, uh-oh, they're getting ready to force this issue because they saw what I did. They didn't recognize necessarily who he was. They said, boy, we could use a king like that to feed people all the time. Whatever their reasoning was, Jesus said, I need to go away. So he goes away. They were going to take him by force, and the Bible says, make him a king. You follow me so far? Man cannot force Jesus to be a king. Jesus was already a king. You can't force somebody to be something they already are. Now, this has to do with character, but you'll have to follow me here to begin with. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heaven, not the heavens. If your Bible says plural, you got a bad Bible. Heaven and the earth, because when it first started, there was a heaven. That's it. And an earth, not heavens. Okay, now you're reading and go, huh, that's what mine says too. Never noticed that before, did you? I want you to do, however, with that in mind, go to Colossians, way up in the New Testament, uh, heading up after 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You got it? I knew you did. General Electric Power Company. That's how you keep that straightened out. Colossians chapter number 1. I want you to look at verse number 15. The Bible says in Genesis, in the beginning, God. Genesis chapter 1 is all about God. God said, God created, God moved, God did all these things. So all creation, all the beginning of everything is all about God. It's all about God. Now look in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? He's talking about, okay, go to verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. No period. Who is the image of the invisible God? Jehovah's Witness, are you listening? The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus made all things? I thought God did that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the visible of the invisible. That's what he said, right? You follow me? Okay, watch what he says here. For by him were all things created, I'm in verse 16, uh, that were in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17. For he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things are held together, established, and continue because of Jesus Christ. These verses and more confirm Jesus is the capital C, creator. So he's the creator. 
Now these men were going to come and force the issue and make him a king. In the account of John chapter number 6, we find man, a limited creature, a limited being, saying to the creator of everything, we're going to make you a king. Now, just follow my thinking here for a minute, okay? In, 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 in Psalm chapter 90, verse number 2, by the time you get there, I'll move on. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. He was already a king, already a God, and yet these men were going to go about saying, we like what he just did. We need to make him a king, and if we have to, we'll do it by force. And Jesus said, no, you're not. A lot of reasons, but one of them, I think, you can't make Jesus what he already, he was already the king. The king, not a king. Jesus is the eternal one. In John chapter 6, we find man who has limited days. It's like a vapor. We're here and then we're gone. It's like the grass that burns up in the heat. That's what our life really amounts to as far as length or security without Christ. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Right? That's what the Bible talks about. And so here, Jesus is the eternal one, and we find that kind of a person, a man, who has limited days wanting to force the eternal one to become a king. So we have limited men, sinful men, looking at the creator, the God of everything, and saying, you ought to be a king. Now just follow my thinking. I'm not done yet. Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. You know, that's almost scary. Just think what that means. Just let your mind wander. Every place. Beholding the evil and the good. He sees everything. He sees everything. So he's the creator. He's God. He sees everything. The all-knowing one. Yet in John chapter number 6 that we just read here, he was told by some uneducated, limited knowledge human beings, you ought to be a king. Matter of fact, we're going to make you a king. How about that? They were going to try to make him what he already is. Throughout the Bible, it builds this testimony concerning Jesus. In Psalm 93, verse 5, thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thy house, O Lord, forever. So now we're talking about the Lord and his holiness and what he and, and, and his testimonies here. He is the pure one. He's the just one. He's the holy one. That's who our God is. Okay, so this whole thing about you can be worldly and still serve the Holy One. No, his title, not just a title, who he is, is the Holy One, the just one and the pure one. He is pure. The Bible teaches that there's no darkness in him at all. There is no variableness of turning, no shadow. Why? Because he is pure light. That's what he is. In, in Genesis and other places, uh, in Revelation also talks about Jesus, that he is clothed in righteousness. He is light. We don't understand this, but that's our king. All of this Jesus already is. Being told a group of sinful men, they thought he was good enough to be a king. Boy, we watched him make this food. That's amazing. You know something? That guy could be a king. Now, I'm headed somewhere. Keep following me because you keep thinking this. What's this got to do with character? Hold on a minute. In Psalm 95, go there, please. Middle of your Bible. Psalm 95. In Psalm 95, I want you to look at verse number 3. Psalm 95, verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places, now imagine this, of the earth. I guess it would be like the Grand Canyon. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his. He made it. His hand formed the dry land. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. The Bible said he even measures the sky by the span of his hand. That's a span. Just think about that for a minute. Science has found out that it appears as though our universe goes on forever. God said, no, about, about like that. Do you do understand that he put all the stars where he wanted them and he knows them all by name? There's billions and billions of stars. That's okay. God doesn't get confused because there's a lot of numbers. And he didn't lose sight of you either, my friend. So I want you to understand here, he is the owner of everything. 
We don't give him that, but he's the owner nevertheless. Yet men who borrow their very breath said, I got an idea. You who made everything, who is everything, king of everything, pure, holy, just, you know something? You, we need to make you a king. Go to Psalm 193. Psalm 193. Uh, 139, sorry. There's no 193. 139. See, the only thing you catch are the places I mess up. All the rest of the truth is going to get, did you preach on that preacher? But you know you mispronounced that word. I caught that right there. Very good. I'm so pleased you're paying attention. Psalm 139, go down to verse number 7. <coughs> Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Now, this is kind of... Comforting, scary to me. Oh, good. No matter where I'm at, God knows. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no matter what I'm doing, God knows. But you know, some of you are like being on the internet. I don't mind giving them all the information. I'm not planning on doing anything wrong. I can't believe how foolish that statement is. I don't have anything to hide. One of these days, though, you'll want to hide and you won't be able to. Hopefully, you'll not be in the tribulation. But watch what it says here. Verse number seven. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? That's a good question. Is there a place I can go where God is not? Well, he's God. Right? He has all power. He can measure the universe, the, the deep parts of the earth. He knows what he made them. His hand formed the hills, the mountains. I mean, he's got it, right? He's God. Watch what it says here. If I ascend up to heaven, behold, thou art there. God's already there. Ready? If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. You're not going to get away from him. Watch what it says. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the other more parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall behold me. Surely if I say, I'm sorry, if I say surely darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light Even some of these concepts that he tells us, it's just hard to grasp. He measures everything in space like that. All the waters of the world, the Bible teaches, he holds them in the palm of his hand. You do know that, what is it, 75% of the earth is water? God said, okay, I got it. He formed those mountains that you go, wow. God said, I made that for you. You understand that? We're talking about God. Every great thing you can think about that's true is our God. And we got a bunch of guys in John chapter number 6 watching him perform a miracle. Feeding over 5,000 people with three loaves and two fishes. After all of that was done, here was the conclusion they came to. We need to take, if we have to, by four, he needs to be our king. He needs to be a king. You cannot make Jesus what he already is. Now I'm heading towards us real quick here. Jesus is the omnipresent one. He's everywhere present. Being told by men who can only be in one place at one time what God ought to be, what Jesus ought to be. I can be in one place at one time. That's all I can do. Jesus is everywhere all the time, present. And we're going to take him by force and make him a king. First of all, men cannot force Jesus to be a king. Why? Number one, he's already the king. I want you to turn to Psalm 24. You should already be in Psalm. Turn to Psalm 24. Psalm 24, verse 7 and 8. Jesus is the king of glory. Ready for this? Already. He's not one day when we finally get there going to be the king of glory. He's the king of glory for the earth was ever formed. He's the same yesterday, today, and for, he's never going to change. Watch what happens here. In Psalm 24, <coughs> excuse me, verse number 7. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. The king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. That's our God. Let me get this straight. Because he did something great in your life, you're now going to make him a king? He's already the king. Whether you make him one or not, he is already the king. In Psalm chapter 10, verse 16, the first part of that verse, Psalm chapter 10, verse number 16, 
the first part of that verse says this, the Lord is king forever and ever. Satan's not one day going to be king. Uh, some human being who everybody thinks is great, he's not going to be the king. There is a king. You cannot make Jesus what he already is. He was the creator. He is the great father. He is the savior. He is God almighty. You name it. He is everything. Why? Because he's God. And then men, because they saw a miracle, he did something special in my life. I think I'll make him a king. Are you following me? You cannot make Jesus what he already is. We're talking about character. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 15. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15. Which in his times he shall show. Who is the blessed and only potentate? You know what that means? You know what potentate means? Absolute authority. Who is the only potentate, the king of kings and lord in his time? He'll show this to everybody. But that doesn't mean he's not right now. He was the creator. He was the lamb before. Before time ever began, he was already there. He sees everything. He knows everything. Us in our puny minds, we try to outfit. Then why is he allowing this? Like he never thought about that. What about the little pygmies in Africa? Like he never thought of them. He did not overlook them. Jesus is already the king. So number one, Jesus is already king. That's why you cannot force him or make him to be a king. Number two, your character should force you to become a servant. That's the character of Jesus. He's king. He's creator. He's savior. He's everything. So we can't make him what he already is. However, our character should force us to be what we're supposed to be, and that's servants to that God. Instead of wanting to force Jesus to become the king, he already is, the people should have realized they needed to force themselves to become the servant of that guy that just did that. Are you following me? You cannot make Jesus king of your life. He's already the king. I'll tell you what you can do. If you have the character, you can make yourself become the servant to that king. Follow my thinking here a little bit. He will not force you to serve him. I tell people that all the time. He will not force you to do what he wants. The devil cannot make you do what he wants. God gave you a brain, a thinking machine right up here. God designed a law called the law of the will in Romans chapter number, I think it's chapter number seven or eight. He, he said that. God made a law. And when God made a law, he thought about everything and said, that's good. We don't need to change that anymore. So God made us so that we, you cannot force, he will not force you to serve him. Also, becoming a servant will require some change in your character and your attitude. To change one's character, it's going to take some work on your part. It's going to take, if you would, changing one's character and attitude. Some people are waiting for Jesus to force him to serve him. Well, if he wants me to, why doesn't he just make me? So, let me get this right. You're wanting him to force you to serve the king. Jesus isn't in the forcing business. Some people are waiting for Jesus to make himself king of their life. Well, if he's the king, why didn't he do this? And why didn't he do that? And why didn't he do this? In other words, prove his kingship. And then you'll serve him as what? King? He's already the king. He does not need to prove himself to anything. So forcing is not something that Jesus does. If you want Jesus to become king of your life, then you must force yourself to become a servant to the king. We're always looking for the easy way. Why doesn't he just do this? And why doesn't he just make me do that? And why doesn't he? Why don't you get some character and be what you're supposed to be toward the king? The problem is that many are not willing to be what they're supposed to be. They're not willing to change what needs to be corrected so they can become the servant. But how can I change myself to become a servant? How can I change myself? Here's our cop out again. Well, God will make it happen. Okay, it's all on him again. Why do you need a will? Why did God give us a book to follow? Why did God do these things? It's not on him. He's already the king. Well, if he has such power and he's the king, why does it? So you're still wanting him to make you do stuff. God's not going to make you do stuff. Number one, 
So how can I change myself? You ready? Here's the outline. We get into preaching. Ready? Add the learning of God's word. How often have I said this? Add the learning, not just the reading, the learning of God's word and follow the prompting of his Holy Spirit. By the way, that prompting will never go against that word. You will never have anything from God outside this word. God will never say, now this isn't in my Bible, but I'm going to give you something special. By the way, you're hearing more and more of that on the internet, aren't you? More and more people are going to hell so God could teach them something and send them back. That's a lie, straight out of hell. You died and went to hell, you ain't getting out. The only time you're going to get out is standing before God at the judgment seat, and then you're going to be cast in the lake of fire. So that's a lie. But if we don't know our Bible, wow, I wonder if that really happened. God thought about everything. So you need to add learning of God's word and following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We need to build our character. A lot of people are characters, but that's not what we're talking about. A lack of proper character is the problem. That's why we're not good servants. God's not going to make you. He's not going to force you. He will help you, lead you, give you the power to do it, the instruction to do it, the examples to do it, but he's not going to make you. What's lacking is proper character. So that begs the question, what is character? It's a good point. Definition, big on definitions. Character by dictionary. A person, watch this, marked, in other words, you watch them. Oh, that's them, isn't it? A person marked by notable qualities, qualities worth noting, or trains of consistency. No, they always do that. They always do that. They always do that. That's your character. That's your character. No, they're always like that. No, they always behave that way. No, they always act that way. That's your character. You are what you do. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's what we do there. It means reputation, moral excellence, and firmness. I don't change because that happened, that happened, that happened, or that happened. That's called character. But let's talk about Christian character. Let's just not talk about character in general. Let's talk about Christian character, like staying awake during church service. The more often you give in to that, the easier it is for you to fall asleep all the time. You know why? You just lack character. Brother Usher hadn't fallen asleep one time. And he's older than most people in here. But you put in a hard three days work and stayed up and watched movies till three or four in the morning. And that's why you lack character. Did I hit a nerve? Christian character. Watch, this is important. The subconscious, I'm sorry. Yeah, the subconscious doing, ready? We're talking about Christian character. Listen to me very carefully. The subconscious doing of right or moral excellence, firmness and consistency for Christ. For Christ. Let me say it again. The subconscious doing of right or moral excellence and firmness and consistency for Christ. I'm not doing it for selfish reasons. I'm not just trying to be good to be good. I'm not trying to set an example just because I think that's what I do. I'm doing it for Christ's sake. That's Christian character. We are not used to being servants. That's not in our DNA. That's why Jesus took a towel one day and said, I want you to watch me now. And our Lord and Savior, our Master, like that or not, that's the word the Bible uses, knelt down with a towel like a servant and washed dirty feet. He said, what I'm doing right now, you don't fully understand, but you will hereafter. What he was talking about was simply helping other people stay clean from the dirt of this world. He said, what you see me do, do to one another. So you have to be, he said, if I be your master and Lord, and he was, I'm acting like a servant character that's what he was supposed to do and so that's what he was going to do that's character moral excellence doing what is right no matter what we are not used to being servants our lack of character always wants selfish and easy ways out of problems how come our government just doesn't help us why do we put them in there for anyway oh to give you a free phone give you food the rest of your life 
That's not what we put them in there. Where'd you get that stuff from? But we've gotten used to that. That's becoming many people's character. So, why doesn't God just stop this? How often have you heard people say that? I can't take much more. If God's in heaven, why doesn't he? So, let me say, you're going to force him to be God instead of forcing yourself to serve him. You follow me now? Catching up with me? Why doesn't he just make me do right? Wouldn't that be the easiest thing to do? Remember what I've always said? God is more concerned about your character than your... Now you got it. See how it all fits together? It just flows, folks. I don't know where it comes from. God has given us several tools to aid us to be Christian, have good Christian character. Number one, you got it in your lap right now. But, honey, where's my Bible? Where did I leave it? Did I leave it at church? Ready? What's the next word? Again. I got another one at home. Where's that one at? Uh, I left it on the coffee table. So really you don't know the Bible, do you? The Bible is not meant to be carried. It's meant to be learned and obeyed. So what happens here? In Psalm 119.28, the second part of that verse, strengthen thou me according to thy word. God will strengthen you according to how you learn and obey his word. The reason we do not have Christian strength is because of that right there. I don't know what to do in this situation. How am I supposed to act? Is that right or wrong? We don't have the Christian strength to endure anything because that comes from the word of God. Are you following me? That's what character is. The consistent doing of right that's pleasing to God. For the Christian, that's what it is. So, one way God gives strength to change and serve is through reading and studying and learning and applying God's word. You can use all the excuses. Yeah, but I work 40 hours a week. I really feel bad for you. You ought to just be thankful you have a job and you ought to be shouting right now, God, I can't believe I still have a job. Yay! Oh, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Okay, lose your job. Then what we do? God, why don't you do something? I will make you the king of my life. He's already the king of your life. You're just not servant to him. We're not used to it. And then his Holy Spirit, I'm not going to ask you to turn, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. After that you believe, so after you get saved, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Inside of you is the author of that book. You ever thought about when you're reading, instead of going to commentaries, going online, asking all your stupid college Bible friends all over the United States, what are you guys doing? There's a Holy Spirit of God who is the author of this book who lives inside of you and wants to lead and guide in all ways of truth and righteousness. And if you do that, you should be building character in your life. But you've got to give way to that. You can't stand your, oh, why doesn't God change things? So you want to make him a king and force you to do what's right rather than learn character and learn how to serve like you're supposed to. The Holy Spirit helps us understand his word. So we can have the strength, the guidance, and the courage to guess what? Not lead. See, all of our institutions, that they're all wrong. They're all lying. Everybody's a leader in their own right. No, you're not. Everybody's a servant and a follower. Read the Bible. Even above Jesus is God. The Bible says so. Above man is Christ. Above the woman is the man. Everybody's following somebody. Somebody said one time, you'll never be a great leader until you learn to be a great follower. Well, I'm leadership material. I will never hire you. Never hire you. Never hire you. So the tools and ability are there for us to learn to serve, but our character is going to have to change. We can succeed in God's work, but one must be willing to submit. You know, it's like the Bible. See, you women, oh, i got to submit to my husband. we got to submit to God. Everybody has to submit to somebody. Why? Because everybody else has to lead somebody, which means somebody has to follow. If we're all leaders, who's going to pay for this building? If we're all full-time workers and don't need to work in the Lord, who's going to pay for the building? You're here to help pay for things. Don't you stare at me. I'll stare back. 
one must be willing to submit themselves to train themselves. God will give you his word. God give you his Holy Spirit. But you have to yield and want to be trained to learn how to serve. You're not the king. You can't make him the king. But I can learn to serve and submit to my king. So how can I change? Number one, add God's word and the following, the prompting of the Holy Spirit in my life. Number two, understand, Christian character is the subconscious doing of right. The subconscious doing of right. In other words, doing right by reflex. What is reflex? Reflex is simply doing something for so long, we call it muscle memory. We call it, I've done that all my life. We call that by a lot of different things. But basically, it is a reflex to what our real character is. We don't even have to think about it. Subconsciously, it's just there. Well, you weren't born with it. And you weren't born again with godly character. Both of those are learned behavior. Oh, no, I've been this way all my life. No, when you were born, you were just a slimy little mess just like everybody else. You had to learn. Oh, that person's got a lot of character. They learned character. Doing right by reflex. However, however, you got to get this part. Before you can do right by reflex, instinct, automatically, you must first on purpose, consciously do what's right. I knew there was some work involved here. I must willingly become a servant if I'm ever going to learn Christian character. Good Christian character is that which subconsciously I just do. I don't have to think about it anymore. I just, it's part of me. However, before that can ever happen, I have to consciously think and make myself do what God wants me to do or I will never get to the place where I no longer have to think about it. I just do what's right because it's right. Are you following me? We're talking about character. One must on purpose consciously do what is right. Consciously. Now the Bible says do this. No, I'm not allowed to do that. Well, I know I'm doing this right. I have conscious, conscious. I'm thinking about it all the time. I, I'm, God said this. Holy Spirit told me about this. I learned this in the Bible the other day. I have to give way. I've never done that, but I think that's right. That's what God said. So on purpose, I'm thinking what I'm supposed to do. Now that's a pain. Every time you turn around, oh no, what am I supposed to do? I've got to read the side. And you go through all those mental gymnastics. Christian character is finally saying, somebody says, uh, hey, you want to go out and smoke dope? No, stupid, I don't want to do that. You don't even want to think about it? Don't have to think about it. Don't have to think about it. Gossip, don't have to think about it. Paying tithes and offerings, don't have to think about it. Oh, brought you down again, didn't I? Okay, don't have to think about it. So let me illustrate. Catch a, a baseball. We were asking... Um, Michelle Cillier's little boy. So you're going to be a football player when you go? And he stopped and thought, didn't he? Just like a grown-up. He goes like this. I'm going to be a basketball player. And he's only like this tall. By the time he's through growing, he'll be like this. Where did he come up with that? Don't know. You ever watch a little kid try to bounce a basketball? Okay, even some of our grown kids. They're very uncoordinated. Timing is way off. They will never learn. That's what you think. Do some of them ever learn? Well, look, what, watch. We listen to the NBA, the NFL, and those kinds of They have their dad or mom's genes, and that's why they're so good. Oh, so all of those decades of practice didn't add to anything, did it? See, everybody watches these guys making hundreds of millions of dollars, but for decades, all they did was give themselves over and over and over and over, catching the ball, 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 and then we go like this, wow, how does he do that? The character that he taught himself. He gave in to the discipline of learning to catch a baseball, a basketball, name what it is. You watch these, after a while, these guys can actually, okay, one of them, 
I think it was up here in the booth, can actually dribble, chew gum, talk to people, and walk at the same time. When did that happen? Well, his mom has got wonderful genes, and she shouldn't be wearing them, but that's what she does. Now, you didn't inherit that. You worked at it. You wanted to be good at something, so you kept giving yourself to it. Being on time, I know I just hit a button. I'm sorry. I was teaching your kids in Bible this morning, and I said, oh, yeah, I was. Nobody brought up any examples. I'm just saying. And I, I thought to myself, on Sunday mornings, the only time anybody ever beats me in. Every once in a while, somebody will try to catch up on some work, and they do. But it's that guy on Sunday morning. I think he does it just to say, I came in on Sunday before preaching. Because he don't like getting up. But I get here right about 7 o'clock. I don't work a bus. Sunday school don't start till 9.30. I mean, I could be here at 9.27. Right? I'm on time, right? I promise you, when it comes to church, other if I say I'm going to be at your house at 10.30, I will be there as close to 10.30 as is right to be, okay? When it comes to church, I'll be 45 minutes to an hour early. Amen. Why, preacher, do you do that? There was a time when I used to lay carpet with my brother, and I hate the cold. I've always hated the cold. Ever since I was in Fort Leonardwood, Missouri, hate the cold, hate the cold, hate it with a passion. If heaven's cold... I had to put up with it. So anyway, as <laughs> soon as I'd get in the truck with my brother laying carpet, I'd pull my coat around me, snuggle down in the corner, turn the heat on me, and instantly go to sleep. One day, we were driving to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Got up at 4 in the morning, drive all the way to Fort Wayne, Indiana, lay an entire apartment building full of carpet, and drive back the same day. One day. Not a week. One day. As soon as I got in the car, we finally got up there on the way back. He goes, you know, you're a great help. As soon as you get in the car, you go right to sleep. You could at least try to keep me awake. So I tried. I couldn't. I couldn't. As soon as I get in that warm air, hit me from being in that cold, I just wanted to go to sleep. I don't do that now. Why? Well, it's just not me. It's not any of us, to be honest with you. Well, I'm just not a morning person. Most people aren't. How long are you going to keep using that excuse? It's not morning or night. We were in Pakistan. To be honest with you, it was rather grueling. Lots of hours. I think I stayed with it most of the time. <laughs> Serious, amen. Okay. He was sick half the time. He don't know. But I'm like 72. Now, my wife isn't saying almost for my sake, but for her sake, because she's five years behind me. I need to explain that. So anyway, how did I get to the place where I get up? By the way, I don't like getting up in the morning. I, I don't like I don't like it any more than you do. I'd rather sleep in. Honestly, I'd rather sleep in. I'm not fooling you. I'm not misleading. I would rather sleep in. I like sleeping. You say, why do you get up? Ready? My character says you're supposed to be at church 45 minutes early. So if I'm later past 7 o'clock, then 5 or 10 minutes, I feel like I'm late. You say, yeah, but you're really not. See, that's what you're thinking. Your character keeps giving in to where you don't control yourself. And you're hoping God will miraculously do a miracle. And one day, you'll wake up and start getting places on time. Y'all quit looking over here, would you please? Okay, let me get to the rest of you. Smile, you're welcome, you're welcome. By the way, she loves this church, I don't really care. How about smiling and talking politely to other people? How about smiling, and not just when I mention it. How about smiling and talking politely to others? That's a learned behavior. Nobody comes out of their mother's woman. Oh, one guy say, he said, uh, when I get out, the doctor hit me, and he said, what I didn't know, the nurse got in a couple of jabs before he even did that. But that's what, I thought that was funny. They used to slap babies, get them to breathe. Hello, is anybody still here? Amen. Hope you have natural birth. Now, 
many want God to make them do these things. If God wants me to smile, he'll just change me. Okay, so you're going to make him be the king. But what he gave you to do is make you, if you want to, to become the servant, which you're supposed to be, but you don't want to do too much work involved. So you never do right on your own if God does not teach you. You must on purpose consciously do right. You must purpose consciously do right. I have to think about it and think about it. Think about it. Until I don't have to think about it because it's a part of me now. That's what you call character. My learning Christian character forces me to read my Bible. You say, preacher, it forces you to read your Bible? I don't like reading more than anybody else. You forget, I flunked 10th grade two and a half times. When my mom and dad got divorced, I stopped learning. That was fifth grade. I, wouldn't got, I read comic books and other things I shouldn't be reading. Now I have a own library. Now I read all the time. How did I get from not having the character to pick up a proper book and learn something new to now reading my Bible through, writing out sermons, learning new things, reading commentaries? How did I get to that point? You ready? Same way in your Christian walk. Whether it's this much or this much. You just keep doing it. It is the consistent doing of right over a long period of time on purpose till it becomes you. I don't fuss with tithes and offerings. I know some of you do. Every time I miss it, the room gets a little cold. I look back at Mike. Did you turn the heat off? Mike goes, no, preacher, it wasn't me. There's a chill in the air. Your wallet gets frostbit. And you think to yourself, here he goes again. You know what your problem is? It's not money. You want to force him to be God or him make you do what you're supposed to do. Neither one of those is going to happen. He's already God, and you haven't learned to be a servant because you won't make yourself do what's right. Why do I have to force myself to read God's word? See, you ask yourself, well, preacher, it's, just, it's not fun. I mean, are we supposed to do this all the time? It's hard to read the Bible. Okay, so we're all in agreement. It is. I'm not making, I'm not mocking, I'm not making, it is a very, very hard thing to do. Why do I do it? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Let me see. Tough answer, because it's right. That's a great answer. That's the because. That's the why. But I have to give way to what God told me to do. Study to show thyself approved unto God. He's already God. I have to give way what he wants. It doesn't come natural for us to do that. If I continue to do what is right concerning God's word consistently, eventually it is going to become a part of my everyday life. You haven't done it consistently long enough and given into it that when you miss it, you miss it. That's not a part of you. I do not always enjoy reading the Bible. That may shock you, but I don't. There are times and periods in my life when I can read the Bible for, I I can tell you a time right now because I measured it. For two years, I got nothing out of the Bible. This is decades ago. I read, and it was a dead book. Nothing got, okay. It went, boy, that leaped out at me. Nothing leaped out. Boy, I'll tell you, that scripture right there inspired me. Nothing inspired me. He said, what'd you do? Kept reading. But what are you going to do when you run into a dry period and nothing inspires you? Quit reading, quit following God. You know what you're lacking? Oh, God, why don't you make me? No, no, no. He's already God. You can't do that. But what you can do, if you have good Christian character, you'll continue to tithe. I'm going to keep saying that until there's a, until there's a, until there's a warmth back in this room. You don't tithe. Yeah. I just preached on that for months, and you didn't get it then either. Now, so... I do not always enjoy that. I do not always enjoy opening and reading for the first 10 to 15 minutes or 30 minutes. I just don't. But something happens as I continue on reading. It's like I'm telling God, I submit to what I'm supposed to do. And I'm doing it on purpose. I don't get anything out of it for the first 15, 30 minutes. I yield to this. 
This is, you're the king, I give in to you, this is what you want to do, but it's not natural, it's not a part of me. So when my brother said, if you're ever going to get to know God, you got to get to know that book, I'm telling you, the first thing I did, I went, good night, that's a big book, a small writing too. Well, even if you have large plants, print, same size Bible. Yeah. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? I stopped in 10th grade. I haven't read a book with any meaning to it at all. Then he turns around and gives me a book on end time events by Cease, which is a past college level reading. And he said, you need to work your mind like a muscle. You need to read some things that are not easy to understand, like comic books, TV guide, stuff like that. Game Boy. Or Game Girl. We always want the easy way out. Anything that's hard, God, I want to make you God. No, he's already God. You can't do that. But you can make yourself servant. And it's going to be real difficult until yielding after practice and practice and practice and obeying and obeying and obeying and obeying and obeying and obeying. Women, submit yourself. Husbands, love your wives. Submit yourself to those that have the rule over you. Same word not natural. That's why God had to tell us. So if God tell us, he being God, I should obey the Lord. I have a tough time giving in to the Lord because I've never characteristically made myself do what God wants me to do. In the beginning, I begin to enjoy it after 15 to 30 minutes. I begin to realize how much I need God's word. But at first, it's like, okay, nobody's in here. You get distracted. Oh, and I get distracted. Oh, and I had him my cup of coffee. Oh, I got to see what's on Google. Oh, I got to go over here and check the heat. Oh, I got to go one distraction after another. You know what that is? Lack of character. Just like being late. There was a guy in college up at First Baptist Church, Hammond, told a story one time. Actually, the story was told about him. And he was always several hours early to any meeting any responsibility he had in church. I asked him why. He said, well, you know, if something goes wrong, I still want to be on time. One day his car broke down in the wintertime. I think it was like five miles from church. He walked all of the way. You know, you just sat in the car and waited on a tow truck that's not coming for three days. He said, no, no, I, I told preacher I'm going to be there at a certain time. And by the way, he made it on time. What would have happened had he not given himself that disciplined room for failure? I forced myself to do right, just like you're supposed to. God's not going to make me. God's not going to take my nose and go like it. I can't lay down at night and my osmosis just sinks into my head. It doesn't work that way. You carry all the Bible. Carry your, carry your family Bible. Until you open it and read it and apply it and give into it, you're never, it's never going to really become a part of you. So I force myself to do right. I do right because it is right. I do not do right because it's easy or convenient. Right in a bad world is anything but convenient and feels good. The feel good part about it is I know God's pleased with that. That's it. That's all it takes. I know that's what God wants. That should be all I need. Right? but I need to do this on purpose. I am just like everyone else in this room. It's just that over the years and decades of time, I pick it up and read it. 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 Almost always the same time. I don't read at home. I get too many distractions for me. I want to fix things. I want to watch TV. I want to, There's too many things I want to do. So what I do, I get to church before everybody else does. Make my coffee. Shave if I have to. Hate shaving. I haven't learned that character yet. Don't like that at all. So I'm just like you. You said, preacher, you seem to always be shaving. Because it's right. I just think it's right. I didn't say it's because I like it. It's convenient. Shaving's not convenient. It's not convenient at all. It's a hassle. I don't like it. So why you do it? Because I think it's right. So I'm going to do what's right even if I don't necessarily like it. I need to learn to submit. Why? 
because I will never have true Christian character until I on purpose consistently do things. Um, Miss Felicia plays our piano, okay? I'm using her as an example. Reason is because she stopped for about 10 years, right? And one day I said, so you play piano? Which I used to, I hadn't played in a long time. I'm gonna watch you play. I could tell that she knew something. I watched her posture, the way she sat. I watched her hands. You don't play piano like this. I watched her read the music instead of looking at her hands. I listened to her dynamics and her timing. It's a little rusty, but I could tell it was there. Somebody had taught her good character when it came to the piano. Other than that, she doesn't have any character, but no, I'm kidding. She learned all of that. I'm trying to make up for us picking on you. Are we doing okay? All right, you're welcome. And now, since she's been here, taking lessons over the years, boy, has she improved. Wow, she has a gift. First of all, I think she does, but she works very hard. You say, boy, she's really good. She works very hard. She has worked very hard. And now she's translating or what do you call it? Change from note to note. have a tough time, especially his voice. In a crowd, when everybody talks the same time, I can't hear anybody. I think I need hearing aids, but I'm not going to get them because I don't have that kind of character. Now, <laughs> I'm not that old yet. Come on. But his voice, somebody, he's got a tone that if I'm not looking at his lips and listen to him at the same time, <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Well, first of all, even when I do understand, I can't understand what he's talking about. But if any, any other noise is going on, I can't even hear him, period. So when everybody goes, that's what it sounds like. And you're going, I told you what it was. No, 15 people told me. And all the timing was really not together. So guess what I picked up on? Nothing. I don't know why I told you that. So anyway, pray for me. No one is born with character and no one is born again with Christian character. It is a learned behavior. Let me close with this. God will not force us to just stop praying that way. God, if you love me, won't you just make me? He's not going to. The word of God will instruct. The Holy Spirit will inspire, empower, lead, and guide. But you must willingly submit yourself to God. Force yourself, if you would, to do what's right on purpose because it's right. That's what you have to do. It's right, I have to do this. It's right, I have to give way to it. It's right, that's what God says, I'm yielding to that. Quit forcing him to be God. He's already God, you can't do that. Well, if you're God, just, oh no, he's already God. What do you mean if he's God? Why don't you make me? Why don't you perform something? He's already God. So he tells us, what you're lacking is Christian character. And he starts to teach us how. The reason many do not pray, read, tithe, give, etc., they lack good Christian character. It's that simple. Well, I guess I just don't have character. Do you want some? Would you like to have Christian character? It is the constant, repetitious doing of right until it becomes a part of you. Do you want good Christian character? I guess you better start there. The first must be a willing mind. I want to have good Christian character. Find out what is right and force yourself to do it. God's word will instruct you. Holy Spirit will empower you, but they're not going to make you. I'm going to make God the God of my life. He's already God. What you can do, according to the Bible, is learn how to serve. How do I serve somebody? Do what they want. You have to do what's right. I do what's right and that way, when tempted or someone invites you to do something wrong, you have the automatic response, drop dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Got to add that so you'd be Christian, wouldn't you? Character. The conscious doing of right until, until, until it becomes a reflex, automatic. It's just what I want. Father, thank you for the...